All right, welcome to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. And I have a new guest in the studio today. I got Victoria. I'm going to let her explain to you who she is and what her story is here in a minute. <laughs> uh, but we missed last week. Um, I was taking a short little break, but now we're back in the studio. And I got a couple of fantastic guests lined up in the next few weeks. We got Victoria today. Um, and then I got a couple other guests, which I'll talk about either on the blog or in the Facebook group to let you know um, who they are. But we got Victoria today. How Hi. are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Thanks for coming to the studio. You like my little studio down here? I love it. It's a <laughs> perfect spot to have coffee and talk. It's yeah. Good. No, mm -hmm. it's great stuff. And that's that's what the whole podcast is about, is just getting together, talk about life's big questions or even life's little questions. And we kind of go on and. You have an interesting topic, and we'll get into that um, in a moment. So, and I thought, okay, that sounds fascinating. So I'd be interested to know um, what prompted you to want to talk about self-acceptance. Let's just throw it out there as well. We're going to um, hit on to But before we get into that, let's get a feel, flavor for who you are and what it is that you do. So um, thanks for having me. It's really good to be here. I, um, I'm, so I'm a life coach in general terms. I work with varying different types of people. Um, and generally, most of the time, their work comes down to actually knowing themselves better. And right. the, the whole self-acceptance piece comes from them wanting to gain a bit more clarity over where they're going and what they're doing. Um, but also liking themselves in the process. So that's really the self-acceptance part has become integral to what I do as a coach. Okay, cool. And you and I met about three years ago, it's I want to say. Yeah. Three years ago. And we met on Periscope. We did. Was it Periscope or Snapchat? It was, weirdly, we had a mutual contact and not, not on Not in Snapchat. a weird kind of way, people, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it was all very wholesome. It was all very above board. <laughs> there was um, a mutual friend of ours who at the time wasn't a friend, but was somebody who um, I was in touch with over keeping up to date with apps and how fast social me media was moving at the time. Yeah, it was Jane because she was Jane big James. into she was big into her tech and apps and stuff. So she was always sharing it. And I was thinking it was through her, wasn't it? And yeah. Um, and I, again, just only just met, I've actually never met Jane in person. I think you have. I've never. More met Jane. on uh, like a call rather than in person. It's okay. bit video calls for, right. for sure, yeah. Yeah. And then you were doing something called Mind Flowers on the Periscope. And That's you used it. to always do it right when I was in the middle of lifting heavy things. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm in the middle of doing like 500 pounds squatting and I got to think about my Mind Flowers. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but I thought that was an interesting concept, the mind flower. And I think we'll talk a little bit about that as well, too, because I understand that you are um, you kind of rebranding that out or bringing that, that brand, the mind flowers, back out as well. Is it right? Yeah. Yeah. She's been uh, laid in the corner for a couple of years. And um, it was because of my time on social media. I was doing some lifestyle blogging um, and a body positivity movement asked me to tell my story of self-acceptance because as much as I was blogging about lifestyle, there is an ugly side of that that's quite, you know, forever chasing aspiration and never being satisfied and, you know, not beautiful enough and not successful enough and rich enough. And my writing and in past careers, my ethos has always been around people being 
brilliant. Right. So um, it was from that that they liked my stance and they asked me to tell my story. And it began from there. I, I ended up back at university studying to become a life coach, which has now, that was the reason why Mind Flowers was put to bed for a couple of years while I studied and really got into the root of the psychology behind it. Um, and it's been a real passion. It's, it's something that's, you know, I've received DMs from people still to this day about success because of them finding self-acceptance and love for themselves where it was lacking before. Right. And it's, okay, well, let's get into yeah. self-acceptance. And so how are you defining self-acceptance beyond just the obvious self and acceptance? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you I guess, mean by that? And then also what... I guess what's the what's the driver behind it for you, and why were you so passionate about that particular topic? Considering we could have talked about any philosophical thing today, <laughs> um, but you chose uh, self acceptance as a topic, which is a great topic, I think. Um, especially some of the things you just hinted at, where you think about how social media kind of shapes who you are, and in some sense, um, that you that we can forget who we are. Yeah, because you're responding to what you get back from social media. Yeah. Yeah. I so I really for since I I started studying um, to be a coach, the people that I was that I was meeting as I suppose it's like my volunteer clients right at the beginning of my journey. One of the things that just kept on coming out was I just want to be happy. I just want to feel happy. Um, and so for me, self-acceptance is, it's wrapped up in quite a big package. So it's that sense of happiness. I think it's also for me, a sense of calm. So when life feels really chaotic, I know that things are, there's unrest there and um, there's perhaps some resistance there. A sense of calm and ease about life and actually sleeping really well at night, not going to bed with a troubled mind about decisions that you're struggling to make and paths that you're deciding to go down or not so for me the self-acceptance is a sense of self-knowing and understanding so what causes us to not accept ourselves so i don't know and that's a big question i know there's <laughs> loads in it but what are some of the at what point along the line i'm assuming that when you know you're growing, you know you start out accepting yourself because you're any different at what point do we start not accepting ourselves for who we are and maybe be another people so what are some of those factors I think it comes in early so even when we very first start to go to school we're asked what do you want to be when you grow up like what five or six year old knows I remember being little and that people asking me what do you want to be when you grow up and my friends would say I want to be a nurse or you know I want to be in the army or there were different things and actually all I ever wanted to be was a glamorous grown-up woman mm. <laughs> I used to watch Dallas and feel like well that's what I want to be I want to be Joan Collins yeah but um and I feel like right at an early age there's a certain level of should and a certain level of expecting yourself to know your direction and then you start feeling well I don't know what it is so I guess I should be thinking this or I should have a sense of knowing and right the way through high school when we're then funneled into making choices about our education um, and we start becoming more aware of how we look bodily as we hit the age where, you know, our bodies start changing and we, you know, we're looking like an adult in, with a, a young mind. And I think there's so many outside influences. I, I want to say pressure, but I, I don't think it's always pressure. I, I think it's influences as well. But it's a, it's a subtle kind of pressure, isn't it? Because yeah. In, in some ways, some, 
if the overt pressure is almost easier to deal with because you can pinpoint it, but it's the subtle pressures. Like you said, so it's like, you know, even from the simple question you ask a kid, what is it do you want to be? You're forcing a kid who has no life experience to start to think about a label that they want to have and what that might mean. Yeah. And if they find themselves in the wrong environment, like some teachers don't actually, or a lot of adults don't actually pay attention to what they're saying. So they may have a concept of themselves that they want to do something. A teacher, in fact, I can think of you know, my own personal example. Like for the longest time, I wanted to, when I was young, I wanted to be a microbiologist. Mm-hmm. And then someone in my family, and I won't mention them in case they're listening to it, <laughs> they was like, oh, there's no money in, in being a microbiologist. Like my whole orientation from when I was like nine 10, 11, 12, you know, I used to draw amoebas and hang out. You know, who, what kid puts amoebas on their wall? You know, I mean, I was really into that microscope and doing all that. That's what I have a mind set on. But this person that I respected and they said that. And then, then suddenly I was like, well, if they're saying that, then yeah. I shouldn't be that. Yeah. And then that just set me on a path of, well, I don't know what. I want to be or do yeah. now. So I went on this you know, massive search to try and figure out, well, if I can't do that thing, then what can I do? Mm. And that person didn't do it. And to this day probably has no idea that that one sentence, which is still in my head even now, is that changed the course of my life. Not that I liked the course that my life went on, so maybe you know, it was fate and it was all good and all of that. But you know, that sentence alone changed the course of where I was, I was headed. Yeah. as a as an individual so um and that's just a subtle thing but then as you say you got peer pressure you got your the kids around you and you want to be like them and you want to fit in you've got those things that are going on with the stuff you see on the tv in terms of what you should look like yeah and um, what kind yeah. of clothes and things you want to wear i think i i was fortunate enough to always kind of be an outsider in that sense i didn't conform so i never was stylish never wore the latest but i actually didn't really care about any of that um and i think because i was such a lone wolf i was able to fit with lots of cliques so i hung out with the nerds i hung out with the jocks i hung out with the you know the stoners i had a yeah i was i was like and talk about cats. I got a cat by. I was like an alley cat as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I just roamed from group to group, and yeah. each of the groups kind of accepted me. But yeah, so um, I think you're right in terms of the pressures. Yeah, and I, I can identify with that feeling of of being around different groups. I was very much the same. So I would, I liked the people that I liked. I didn't feel pressure to be in a particular group. Um, and I was always, my family would always say that I was like a, a butterfly. So going from one thing oh, to the next, like the it. next. So, and I always saw that as a compliment. I always felt personally that um, it was nice because I wanted to try different things and go different places. And I didn't feel the need to be uh, on a, a very strict path. I was always happy to choose my own. So, and I, I know everybody's different. I, that can, that shows up but in different. Did people. you get rocked from your self acceptance? So what? Yeah. Did you? Did you? And then, and then, what brought you? So what rocked you? And then, what brought you back to this being your mission now? Because I see it in your bio that it's like your thing now, yeah. helping people to yeah to do the self acceptance piece. For me, I worked in the fashion industry as a buyer for a long time, um, and I was also in a boutique 
so selling the clothes that I was buying then onto the real people of the world. And it was a family business. Um, we always tried to go our own way. So as much as it was about the, the, the lovely labels and the beautiful clothes, we were buying for real people in a Midlands market town. We weren't buying for, you know, body beautiful, perfect you know, our market wasn't massive, so we had to really understand who was coming through our doors. We wanted those people to feel really good. At the time, so I was probably, I was at the gym most days of the week. I was a, a very middle range dress size, so a UK size 12. And I was on every buying appointment, the fattest girl in the room. So the fashion industry I, I found to be wonderful and mm. amazing people. All of the reps were a standard size eight or a 10 and they all could wear the sample size clothes. And every buying appointment I ever went into, I was too big to try anything on. And this was at a size 12. Yeah. And that's, you know, I was really healthy. And actually, I didn't notice it at the time, but I did always feel like the fat girl. I always felt too big. Um, and obviously working in an industry where it's all about appearances, as much as we always wanted our customers to feel beautiful, there was a certain expectation of hair and makeup and high heels and the latest clothes. And just because of it being the industry that we were in and our store was very welcoming. So I was in that environment for a long, long time. And I met my husband-to-be, we got married and um, we went on honeymoon and we went on this amazing day trip. We were going around the seas in Greece on a catamaran. It was just like oh, the you most... you like Greece. You oh, love that Greece, don't you? I love you? Greece so much. <laughs> and it was the most spectacular day and I was wearing a bikini and um, I remember being on this boat with, I think, about four or six other people and thinking, I can't eat lunch today. Like, these people don't want to see a fat girl eating and drinking booze and I just, I just didn't eat the whole time. I drank water, which, you know, that's all right, but you should, girls got to yeah, eat. Yeah, you got to eat. Um, and <laughs> and you got to drink. Exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I just remember feeling like these people don't need to see me gorging. And yeah. um, a photo was taken of my husband and I and and I it was developed. It was back in the day before mobile phone <laughs> pictures. It was actually developed. I'm going to say you're dating yourself now here. You're talking about <laughs> developing pictures <laughs> i'm so analog um and yeah it was developed when we got back and i he he was like oh my god look at this photo it's amazing and i said that will never see the light of day and it got put in a drawer and then years and years later he found it he was going through some old stuff and he said oh look at this it's from our, our honeymoon on the catamaran and i looked at it and thought holy cow I was so hot <laughs> I looked really good yeah. that's a tiny bikini and I looked amazing um but I just remember feeling how I felt and there it was so disjointed from how I thought I looked to the reality that was staring back at me from this photograph yeah. and I was like do you know what if I look like that now I'd just probably be like that in Sainsbury's I would wear my bikini <laughs> and you know I'd just be much more com comfortable and confident and I realized then and that's when you and I I met on social media it was around that time that that photo was found that I really didn't see myself how I really was I thought I was like really quite below average in looks I'd always struggled with quite difficult skin I was the biggest girl in the room at appointments with designers that mattered um and it was so removed from the reality and I I just don't I can't bear the thought that people ever feel like that yeah. like that is not a place that we should be 
so that's really where it's it's, it's become a passion through my coaching and I guess because it's where, where my passion lies it's what I'm really interested in and you know I guess the people who are also inter- interested in that gravitate towards me yeah. and it's ended up being the focus of, of what I do now so when you get to the space where you realize that you want to start to like yourself or accept yourself what's the how do I go on that path of self-acceptance how do I reclaim myself I guess is what I'm asking you I think it's a it's a process mm. and so um it starts with just small steps daily and just trying to change the narrative that you have about yourself so starting to appreciate yourself and your strengths and what you bring to life in general so you know in, in your work environment what did you do well today and focusing on those things rather is that than just about language because i'm just thinking some people will tell you and i've just been dealing with this recently that no matter what you say to them they always turn the neck into the negative that they, like mm. they wouldn't believe what you've just said that mm. that doesn't apply to them that can't be right for me mm. so it's how do you how does someone get beyond the point where they can actually start to even praise themselves or mm. acknowledge the even the small things um, in themselves yeah I think it's about it's choice mm. it's really choosing to go down that path and you know, I think people get sick of themselves and it's not until you get to that point of, I have to make some changes. Like when you really, really get sick of yourself and you think, all right, enough's enough. Yeah. And that, that's the motivation because it comes from within. It's not someone else saying to you, oh, you need to perk up a bit or you need to like yourself a bit more. It actually comes from deep inside thinking, I just can't be like this anymore. And bringing change in and it's conscious it's a thing that you have to do every day you don't just suddenly wake up and think oh i'll be an optimist today yeah it's something that you that you cultivate and it grows it's something that you've got to look after and nurture it you know it's it's not something that is that you can through just stuff do. like affirmations is that through positive thinking yeah i think that it can be that for some people mm. i think for other people you know if you um i'm thinking of a, a the sort of person that perhaps says oh you know that thing went wrong first thing this morning my whole day was ruined so it could just be re-looking at situations and thinking does that ruin my entire day Mm. or did that just happen in isolation so for some people it could be affirmations for others it could be noticing themselves when they go straight to that negative and thinking okay and just slowing that down and, and being aware of it I think for other people, it could be opening the door to time for creativity. Um, you know, it can be it can be many things. It, it depends on the person, their personality mm. types, what they're inclined to, to like to do. Because one of the things you do with the mind flowers, at least as I remember it in its um, original state, was consciously to get someone to pick a thing, no matter how big or small. Yeah. And I think, you know, doing it, because you were doing it on Periscope, so, you know, they were expressing this in a, in a public forum, but yeah. that takes a lot of strength to do that. Yeah. And I think one of the things that was really cool is that, you know, you encouraged them to, however small it was, it didn't really matter the scope of it, but just the fact of taking that step to acknowledge yeah. this this mind flower, as you, as you call it, and, and out in front of other people. I think, again, that takes yeah. a lot of courage and strength to do that definitely yeah because one of the things and let's talk about this a little bit and and it's um 
and we've done this on the show before, we talk about, you know, your identity. And now that you've got the sort of social media, and I look at like a lot of the younger kids and even older ones, but, you know, um, you know, I've got two millennial type age kids or actually Generation Z. You know, they were telling me like, you know, when they, if you put up a picture and it doesn't get enough, a certain number of likes within a certain amount of time, then they take it down. Um, and so, you know, it's like, and, and there's this consciousness of, you know, has someone liked it and they shared it. So what are the, what's the likes to this thing? Yeah. And if I don't get the right number, whatever that number is, yeah. um, then it comes down and you repost it to try and generate more likes. But some of the articles that I've read or some of the research things that I've been looked into is like, um, it's almost a reinforcement. So you, so you, talk, you know, hear about the echo chamber yeah. and all the stuff yeah. that Facebook's been on the, on the docks again, you know, up against ropes against it. it the algorithms feed you more of what they think you're going to like. So you end up being in this echo chamber of reinforcing whatever your thought process. So if you have a negative sense of the world, because that's the news that Facebook, Twitter, any of them that use algorithms like that, feed you more of the stuff, which then confirms what you think your worldview is so you don't get a chance to see something else. Yeah. Um, and the same then comes with your sort of identity. So if I post a picture situation up and it gets likes, then, you know, being the kind of creatures that we are, then I want to make, post more of that. And then that just reinforces that one scenario for me or that aspect of me, which then you start to believe that that's, you when mm. actually there's so much more to you than that yeah but because of the reinforcement the positive reinforcement that you get through the likes and things like that you then start to do more of that and then it, the question becomes at what point do you forget who you are and become the mask that's yeah. the mask that you get reinforcement from from your peers from others um, and you start to become that aspect of you or just that aspect of you I don't know if that was a question or a statement, but well, <laughs> what's no, your thoughts on that? What's your, what's I, your thought? Yeah, yeah. I think you're right because the, the tendency with social media, when, when you were saying about the amount of likes within a certain amount of time, it's, it's funny because it, it kind of endorses basic thinking. And I, I believe that we're losing critical thinking as an art form and conversation as an art form. And when you live your social life or your main connection to life is coming through um, an image on a screen with, how, you know, even if it's a fairly long update, it, it's not conversational. So somebody's putting out there what they think. You can either, you know, I think, I think the danger is that you can read it and accept it or not accept it but not actually think about it. And if the person was there with you, you could say, but hey, what about this? Have you thought about it this way? Um, and it, it doesn't account for the fact that the people who, you know, are supposed to like within a certain amount of time, they might be caught up with life and doing something that means that they're not by their devices to give the likes and they're, they're reading too much into it. Why hasn't somebody liked this picture and why haven't enough people liked it? And did I use the right hashtags? And uh, actually just, Relax, like just relax. <laughs> just it's, it's, easy, it. it's easier for us to say that because we grew <laughs> up in a world before that. But just think yeah. of the young, the Generation Zs. I mean, that is 
Yeah. You know, their center of gravity is is that that space, whereas you know we didn't have mm. we didn't have that as an opportunity. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no. And so, but we did it in other ways. I mean, you think about phone call, the person didn't return my call, or that kind of thing. Had a pager. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the page. Um, but it's gotten worse because of the always on, isn't yeah. it? It's 24-7, always on. Um, and if I put something up, then you expect that everybody should be getting their notifications that I posted something. And as, but as you say, I mean, maybe they're busy, maybe they're in a meeting, maybe. <laughs> um, but in, your, in, in our psychology, it's like... And I'm not getting any response. So yeah. Yeah, maybe it's the wrong image. Maybe people don't want to see that. Or if I put something up and people don't seem to like it, then you know, take it down and put up what people It's like. an, another layer of judgment that we place upon ourselves. Mm. You know, it's like we're analyzing, thinking, you know, why didn't people like that? I should take it down and do it better. When, why, you know, what's, what can be better if it's a, you know, a selfie, you having fun or being somewhere that you want to show your friends and family or whoever the place that you are mm. like and that's i think that's the crazy thing is that because i like snapshots right one of the things that one of my the style of photography that I like is street photography and just snapshots like i think the coolest thing is like like you did with your thing going through a drawer finding some photo especially if it's not a posed one you know you guys were doing some and someone just took a simple snapshot because i look at it and i think and i'm trying to understand what they were feeling what they were experiencing Mm. what was the historical sort of time frame of that there's just so much when you look at some of these snapshot ones not not your sort of studio things but and i found that so fascinating yeah it's a um, moment in time, isn't it? It You're is, and it. it's like you're documenting like actual kind of like, like they're like little museum pieces, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think you know in the earlier stages of the internet, where it was more wild, wild west, and just documenting stuff and and things like that, you had a got a lot more feel of the the individual mm-hmm. and the originality of the individual, as yeah. it were. But then, as I think, as it's gotten bigger. And it's the whole sort of marketing thing and the whole branding thing and so on. I have the image thing. And so now a lot of pictures look the same. You go on Instagram, there's the sameness um, to the the photos. And it's all very posed. And so you don't get a sense of real life. You get a sense of the life that someone's crafted that they want you to see. But you don't necessarily get a sense of the real life. Yeah, it's a lens Um, that they put on. Yeah, so I mean, I'm always quite conscious of you know for me because I like the snapshots. So I, 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 I mean, I do like taking artisticy things as well, but I do like from a, you know, from a, a you know, just a snap the snapshots. I, I really dig mm. those. And there is a, a movement of photographers. I don't know if you know a lady named Sandy Kim, and one of the things that's made her photography um, really resonate. And f- in fact, you know, you see all these kids and people with these massive giant cameras right they're big <laughs> and all she uses literally is um these little like olympus oh, waterproof it. things that you hang off and she just always has it with her but you know her documenting is documenting it's not like all right let's you know pose like this and make it look nice and pretty but so when you're looking at her photographs you get a f- real sense of looking into someone else's sort of life and that sort of time frame and that kind of population of people that she's around and I really dig that and I mm. wish you know more of 
that sort of social sharing in that in that sense was kind of that way. Um, but it's tough these days with the it whole sort of image and brand and and people wanting. Do you know? Because it was the fiftieth anniversary of the moon landing, wasn't it? It was. Um, and one of the articles I. As I was sitting in my hospital bed, I had nothing else. To, <laughs> I couldn't do anything else but listen to the. Do you know that they were? If I felt like, um, at one point I was questioning my sanity. And maybe I don't know if you've seen. Uh, what was the show? I can't remember now. And I forgot the show. But any oh the OA. <laughs> and oh yeah. Remember that? And they had her in this hospital, and but you know she didn't want to be in there but she was there against the world but anyway so it's kind of like that and they were every morning some tall dude would come by turn this tv on even though we were still kind of half asleep and then the news cycle oh, was God. just go and they didn't turn it off until like 10 30 11 o'clock at night oh, so i was God. just had that going in the loop but anyway one of the um uh, article pieces was they asked kids um about wanting to be an astronaut and more, most of them were like, no, don't want to be, they would rather be a YouTuber. Wow. So more people, more kids wanted to be a YouTuber than they wanted to be an astronaut. Whereas 50 years ago when they did this, it really pushed people to want to be into science and math and do the whole moon thing. But now they're like, eh, they would rather be, be a YouTuber. <laughs> um, so uh, I said all that to say, you know, again, the inf- this whole, whole idea about, um, you know, being an influencer and yeah. you know, being able to make YouTube videos and make lots of money and all that kind of stuff. So you know, you got that piece mm. that's kind of going on in the in the background. And to some extent, I think it's great um, with, with media and having being able to cut out the middleman, as it were, and yeah. you don't have the big studios and all that sort of stuff. So you can, if you're in the entrepreneurial space, to you know, go and do your thing that you want to do. Um, but at the same time, I think there's, uh, you know, kids get influenced by the end product. They haven't seen what these people have done to get where they are. So they see the end yeah. and they think, well, I can just jump right in at the Straight end there. and be there. And um, without all the the guidance and the structure to help you to get to that end. Um, and so, yeah, so you've got that that kind of forces is competing in there as well. And I things are so accessible now you know in terms of body modification and um you know wanting to i know it's guys as well as girls feel the pressure of looking oh, a certain way that's right man i want my my belly out yeah. my, my beer belly even though i'm old now i should be able to have my nice little beer belly but in my head you know i'm thinking you know back in the days being a bodybuilder and all that kind of stuff you Still, well, you don't want to admit that, you know, you get older and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, so it's like, well, come on. Yeah. So, yeah, no, men do too. Yeah, it's the, the pressures on, on everybody. And I mm. do think that that generation that you were just speaking about, when, I guess when I was, you know, teenage and, and around those sorts of years, it was really trendy for girls were just wanting to get boob jobs. Um, and we weren't exposed to the fillers and, coll- you know, the, uh, implants and um, you know the facial things that are so societally normal now you know we were relatively allowed to just be as we were um, without the pressures there was always you know there were pressures to you know to look beautiful and and be a certain dress size and I just think that feels the more accessible those things have become and the you know the more mainstream that they've become the 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 wider the problem is because you know it's the losing balance you know and 
you know, I hear people who've perhaps had a nose job in the past that say, you know, I'm going to wake up and feel like a totally new person. Mm. And they don't. They're still exactly the same in their head as they were before the operation. That's interesting you say that. Have you read the cybernetics book? No, no. He's, um, and I forget the author's name. I should look it up, but I can put it in the show notes. Um, And cybernetics has been out for a long time, but he was a plastic surgeon. And he said exactly what you were saying. He was like, you know, you you know, one of the th- why he got into the whole sort of personal development movement was because he would, could go in, do a nose job for someone or a face job and make them look good, but then they still they still saw the scar, yeah. even though everybody else would be like ah. And but he also then noticed, you know, there were people I forget this one of the stories he was telling of a, a guy who who got the cut and was happy that he was scarred because it meant something else to have this disfigurement um, in it. And he was, so it came back to what you're saying. So it was always about your mental image of yourself. So yeah. someone would look at the scar and think, oh, I'm hideous, mm. disfigured. Mm. Um, in another culture, in this particular instance of the story you told, you know, the scar was, it was a, a manly thing to have. And having that scar was would take him to the next level versus you know having a, a low self-esteem because of because of that um so i think it's it's and, and i guess this brings us right back around to your self-acceptance bit which ties into self self-esteem yes. and um being able to i guess you know somewhere maybe and i'm glad you're doing what you're doing and i hope to see more out put from you on this is helping people to understand that it's okay to be who they are. Totally. It's the motivation, isn't Mm. it, behind why choices are made to look Mm. a certain way or have work done or not done. And, yeah, exactly. So it's like if you can get people to the place to accept that who they are and and that variety is good, you know, so all these different varieties of people and colours and sizes and shapes and, you know, but that's the whole beauty of being human Mm. um yeah how do you you know and then taking back the mental control that says you know i don't have to be shaped by the media that says you know you got to look like this if you look like that then you have this kind of success by looking like that um where actually you can have success being just who you you are are. yeah and also even like with education and things like that Mm. um I remember Joss Stone. I like her as a musician, but I remember she was being interviewed, and this guy was just a total bonehead, this journalist. He was trying to paint her the image of her as just being stupid, right? Um, because she didn't finish school or whatever, and because all she wanted to do was sing, and she was really talented. At, you know, she liked singing, but he was he was highlighting her not school smart so asking her questions that you know she couldn't answer from an academic sort of point of view and I thought that was just one irresponsible from his point of view very but then on the other end I was like if the girl can sing and she loves singing it's like her thing well what's wrong with that yeah celebrating the strength in a person yeah yeah, it's like what's wrong with that so so what she doesn't you know know this historical this that or the other thing because her thing is singing um and i know you know and i think i don't know if i had a conversation about the education system with someone recently but i mean i I get it that you know you had to 
it's almost like a factory, isn't it? You know, you start at the same time. Yeah. You got to get them through the machine. You don't, you know, there's enough resources to cater to the individual's learning intelligence. Supposedly there's like eight intelligences, but we don't have time to um, cater to those. Um, so you just kind of force people into a box. So yeah. if we talk back to self-acceptance, I'm forced into yeah. a box. I'm forced to conform into a way. Inside, I feel different, yeah. but I don't want to be ostracized. So I, you know, we sometimes constrict ourselves because I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be different from the guy. I want to be accepted normal <laughs> i want to be normal I want to, <laughs> I want to be accepted so then you know i you know we sometimes then clip our own wings put yeah. our own self in a box don't allow our light to shine because i want to you know i want to fit in with my, my, my peers and the like but it's the power to burst through that and it is it takes determination you know you know, I look back to when I was at school and I was my passions laid with um, art and English. That's, you know, I just really loved those subjects the most. Um, and I was just thinking then when you spoke, I don't think I would have ever said out loud when I was at high school, I want to be an artist. Because I can imagine, oh, there's no money in artist. You know, yeah, yeah. can't be an artist. You'll always be poor. No success. or Starving artist. Yeah. <laughs> so... But yet we had this amazing art block at the school that I went to. We we had a lot of time in there to explore art and, um, you know, in, in all it, in lots of different forms. But it was never an option to explore that as a career as I was getting older because we were told we had to be good at maths and English and science and information technology and design. And, you know, we were definitely funneled like down that route but it was almost like a box tick oh but they have time to do art and they have time to do sports yeah um but it was never presented as a viable option going forward in life so and maybe the thing answer to that i think is giving people the so if you want to be an artist and explore that but also then equipping them with the business side of it. You can do it as well as. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. mean, as in, so, because you're right. I think sometimes, um, like, you, you do your art bit, but you don't have a concept that also there's a business side of it, of it which yeah. in the past, you know, your agent will do all that, and you, all you do is create art. But if you could help people to be artists, entrepreneurs, so that yeah. they understand the business, they make their art, but they also know how to sell and market their art. I think even in a profession like with sort of life coaching and stuff like that, I think sometimes um, you have the, you know, there's a lot of um, schools that bring you in and teach you the skills of, and then people get drawn into the coaching because of the passion for helping other people. And then they go, but then there isn't necessarily a lot of support on, okay, well, take the coaching hat on and put your business hat on. Definitely. Because now you have to find an audience, you got to find the market, you got to do these things um, to be able to, to, you know, to, to sell your service. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's that balance, isn't it? So mm. how do we help people to be rounded? Um, one, pick the thing that you're into, whatever that is, mm. um, and then helping people to figure out how to make that work as opposed to say okay well just be like everybody else and get in line and do that and just follow this 
follow this predetermined path. path. Yeah. 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 So yeah. So it's that. It's that thinking creative, creatively, isn't it? And being able to interpret life as you're living it mm. and seeing opportunities and how, you know, I've worked with quite a lot of young people who um, are on the university route because it's what they are supposed to do. And they suddenly feel really lost and, you know, they don't know what they want to do, but they were told that they had to pick something mm. and that picking something could turn out to be the thing that makes them miserable and they're not feeding and that you know you're saying about balance and it's that coming back to yourself at the center knowing you know what are your values what lights you up how can you translate these desires that you've got to live well into paying the bills being a nice well-rounded human being and and it's it's about so much more than learning facts and figures and history and and those things that our our education system have been based on for decades and decades they just don't feel like they fit anymore in a a world that's so creative and Mm. aspirational and you know surely this can all slot together in a healthy way yeah it can do and i'm i'm gonna refrain from saying what i was gonna say because then i'll go off on a wild tangent because i usually when i get into this space it's like but then how do you control all these people? Yeah. <laughs> but that's a whole other conversation. No, I, I see it. I can, <laughs> I I can see the question. <laughs> I, won't, I, won't go, I won't go down there. But so, so give me some tips or give the listeners some tips on um, self-acceptance. So what are some things that they can do to begin to accept themselves if they in the space where they may be kind of weak in that spot? I think, so the Mind Flowers movement is the perfect step into it. So a Mind Flower is a compliment um, that you pay to yourself. You, you're gifting your mind with flowers instead of the angst and the shoulds and the you need to be better at, you know, just show yourself some kindness. And it's a really powerful first step. But like anything in coaching or in, in change in life, it's about being consistent. So um, the Mind Flowers movement is all about that first step into becoming the person that you most want to be. And just come as you are, you know, just be you because it is already good enough. Pay yourself a compliment every day. And it could be something quite profound and deep and meaningful mm. one day. Another day, it might be that you quite like your eyelashes. You know, it, it, it's the fact is that you're showing yourself a bit of love and care and that's what it's all about that's where it needs to come from and often when I start working with people on this they'll say things like I am a good mum or I am a good son and they are a good something for somebody else yeah and it's really interesting seeing how that evolves over time and they get used to doing it and more comfortable with actually it's all right to say this about myself I'm not being egotistical I'm just acknowledging something in me and it starts to move and it becomes something much more intrinsic and it becomes things like I'm intelligent I'm beautiful I love seeing happiness in other people and and it's it then starts to become a something that's just felt on a deeper level and that level of self-love self-acceptance just liking the person that you look at in the mirror it just starts shifting and your relationship starts shifting and then you can explore coaching if you want to you can go deeper on yourself and start transforming life however that looks for you but essentially just get that foundation right with you you know know yourself like Mm. yourself and work on your relationship with yourself and you know when you 
dancing into the area of ego and when you're being egotistical you know when you're not really putting the work in just keep keep mindful of that area of yourself mm. and just take small steps daily you know to keep balance and and celebrate yourself i like it celebrate yourself um Jins, Ginsburg, isn't it? he's got a book celebrate yourself and you reminded me of the quote be yourself because everybody else is taken yes exactly exactly <laughs> keep it simple yeah, i know i dig that one i dig that one definitely and like what you like you know like yeah. we're all you said earlier you know you'd hang out with the geeks a bit and the, the jocks and all the different people like there is nothing wrong with drawing amoebas and putting them on the wall if that's what yeah, you want to exactly. do you know <laughs> just indulge those things that make you feel like you're lit up a little bit like don't stifle that because that's what makes life glorious isn't it yeah absolutely now how can i get involved with the mind flowers movement website um, twitter feed where are you at so i've I, there's my website which is victoriajamescoach.com um and you can read all about mind flowers on there but essentially just do it and if you get to well listen are you still doing the periscope my flowers I'm come on man no. don't say no <laughs> I'm going to say no. I've been a serious student for three years, so I now feel like I'm surfacing again. But I would like to do perhaps something on Instagram um, because I've I've got a really nice still exists. Is it it still going strong? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should do it on there. It's still going strong. It's very intertwined with Twitter now. So if you start a Periscope, it'll be on Twitter. I need to back up on my, you know, on my social media knowledge i need to get back into it we need yeah. jane jones we need this we need the mind because you did it every day at every like day 11 too. two at yeah. two o'clock two, yeah. that's right right when i was doing my squat so you know come on yeah it would be good and but if people want to join in if they want to put it online just use the hashtag mind flowers um and people you know you'll find each other but the the, the important act and the importance about the movement is just do it do it privately if you if you don't want to do it out public to have yeah. an accountability partner with your best friend or your partner I, whoever it is just make sure you do it every day all right sounds good well thanks a lot for coming into the studio thanks for having, having me a chat with us about mind flowers and self-acceptance and all sorts of stuff i've and loved I, it yeah that was good so thanks for that all right very good